Cambridge Insider Podcast time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the greatest higher education podcast in the world. I said it. You can do what you want with me. I said it. I don't care. Co-host Liana Glass, how are you? I'm good. Bold statements here today. Um, I'm doing well. I've got a huge thunderstorm outside my window, so I've let everyone know. I'm going to let our listeners know. If I disappear, I've lost power, and our amazing hosts of the show are going to take it from there. Yeah, and we, we will post an update on the show notes to make sure that uh, our listeners know that Liana has made it through the storm. So good luck. If you are in the northeast of the U.S., we've had some crazy weather of late, not just the northeast, but specifically because, um, you know, that's where the show uh, gets recorded. Uh, you know, good luck with the little crazy weather, but all over the U.S. we've seen bit of crazy weather over the last little bit it's a very exciting episode because our listeners for the very first time after probably getting more mentions than lebron james in an nfi in an nfl in an nba season um our executive producer dean is joining us on this episode dean how are you i'm well thank you for having me well thank you for being the executive producer i think there's a lot of things that you do that, you know, our listeners don't always um, maybe know about. So we appreciate you keeping the ship running. Both Liana and I are indebted to your uh, excellent, uh, you know, uh, knowledge of producing and uh, making sure that these get uh, recorded and get um, put out there for the public to consume every single day. Dean, don't you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself, very briefly, just a little bit about yourself so that our listeners know you as more than just the executive producer? Sure. In addition to producing this podcast, I also serve as a regional director of program management, uh, dealing with schools and uh, doing business development at Cambridge. So that's been pretty much my role for the past couple years. But before that, I was in student services. I kind of bounced around. I've been with the company for almost seven years. So I've worn a lot of hats. Awesome. You're also... Correct me if I'm wrong, you also lived in China for some time? I did, yes. Prior to working with Cambridge, I was in China teaching, studying, doing random stuff. Awesome, awesome. So a wealth of knowledge, um, and it's awesome to have you on the on the episode. Liana, I feel like you want to introduce it or, or, or want to say something, so go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> I'm talkative today. Well, I just know that our executive producer, Dean, has a really interesting background in what he studied, so I would like to know what you studied in school. Oh, that's a huge, that's like a few episodes. <laughs> I, I used to study briefly, briefly. anything <laughs> that would interest me. So that's the brief thing. So there's no rhyme or reasons what I studied. Honestly, like I was like uh, in undergrad, I was a politics major. Uh, and then I studied Near Eastern Studies, which was a certificate. It's kind of like the equivalent of a minor. And mm -hmm. I was also a pre-med. So I was I was interested in politics because there was a professor that was head of the, the Socialist Party in Italy. And he was such a rhetorician. Like he, he taught uh, Cicero. And I just walked into the class. It was one in one of the biggest lecture halls at, at the school. I just walked in class, you know, it was during the time where you can audit and, you know, choose which classes you want to do. And he kept talking about, uh, like, um, the prince, Niccolo Machiavelli's The Prince. And he kept saying, my dear Niccolo. And he wrote a book about it and stuff like that. And he used to ride around uh, with a little communist hat and his bike around camp. He's very, <laughs> like, very a character. And he would just orate so well. And he, he said, this is how you, this is how you wield power 
two words. And literally his class, everybody was spellbound. So I became a politics major because of uh, Maurizio Veroli. And then the Near Eastern Studies, I was interested in studying Arabic. So I studied Arabic for four years. And then the pre-med, I've always wanted to go into medicine, which I did after. So thank you for that. Thank Very you for that interesting. Wonderful question. That's why. I, yeah, I just really <laughs> needed to give our listeners a bit of background into who we are interviewing today. That is a bit of a fun episode because the three of us don't often get to, well, we never get to record together. So here we are. So bear with us. We do actually have a topic in mind that we do want to share with our listeners. Ultimately, you're driving in a car, you're sitting on a train, you're somewhere, maybe you're in class. If you are, take the earphones out, listen to your teacher. But you are listening to our podcast for a reason. And specifically today, we want to discuss a little bit of something that's been swirling around international education for quite some time. Um, you'll often hear people talk about the economies, specifically the economies of countries, sending countries, so, so countries where students would come from. And this makes somebody who maybe like myself, who's not that into, um, you know, uh, finance and, and economy and, and how all of that works. But it does make sense that if you have a country and those, you know, the population of that country has more money, they are able to send students abroad to go and study. It's typically an endeavor which is more expensive than studying back home um, or studying closer to home at least. So we did want to address um, just a little bit about what's happening economically uh, around the globe, specifically, I think, related to China. So, Dean, you know, 30-second synopsis here in terms of the economic uh, situation as we look at it right now and you know, we'll we'll delve in further uh, on that in terms of what it means for our industry. Okay, so uh, I guess there's so much to say about this topic. I want to be very focused in how it relates to our industry and, and the subject of this podcast. So recently, uh, what happened was it, news got uh, sort of uh, broken that this company called Evergrande, which is um, it, it's such a large company, they own about 4% of real estate worldwide, or in China, rather, in China. And they defaulted basically on their their loans. They, they took a lot of debt and they couldn't pay it back. This isn't something new, though. It's it, It's literally been a slow moving train wreck. It's just for some reason, I think because the deadlines for their debt repayment have come due, or will be due in a few days. So this is big news. But people have known about this for some time in the financial circles. How it relates specifically to our industry is that it affects the Chinese economy and the world economy. Okay. And so first and foremost, the Chinese economy is affected because uh, it's just such a big part of the, the GDP. So something will have to be done. We don't know exactly what things are being done right now, but that's a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast. As it relates to a disposable income, students, parents, families being able to afford international education in America and Europe, it has an effect. It means that people are going to be a little more uh, frugal. They're, they're, they're going to be a little more... Uh, um, careful with how they spend their money because a lot of money is tied up into real estate in China. It's just one of the main ways that people make investments. Dean, just a quick, I'm going I'm to just specifically for myself more than for anybody else, but I do think it'll help the listeners. I'm, I want to dumb it down even more. Um, 
So what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Chinese economy um, and China being a big sender of students to the US specifically, but the Chinese economy is a little sluggish, is struggling a little bit. Basically, people have less money. The average person maybe has less money in their bank accounts, less money in their pockets, and therefore are able to send less students to the US. Is that a good synopsis of where we at? Yes, and for two main reasons. And this is important because there are macroeconomic factors affecting our business, affecting how many students you see in uh, international schools, uh, sorry, in, in schools in the US or around the world, um, how many international students are just moving. These factors really, really affect it. And one of the main reasons for there being less money is one, COVID. It affected the entire world's economy and uh, it, it kind of had a detrimental effect on uh, disposable income. The second being this default or this cratering of the real estate market in China, which, you know, even if it gets resolved, it will have an effect. All right. So again, going to just keep dumbing things down. Liana, feel free to jump in. I know you're also absorbing a lot of this information because Dean certainly has the insights here. We had these events, COVID specifically, something that a lot of people can relate to because everybody's gone through it. The economies, you know, in, in China specifically has come down. Less students are ultimately coming to the US. What does that mean for two groups of players in this industry? Number one, for our schools, what does this mean where we are right now? Is this the end of the industry? What should they be thinking? What can they be doing? Not at all the end. Markets move in, in waves and cycles. It's always, and that's just like a natural pattern of things. You know, there's ups and downs, there's bull markets and bear markets. So we could say, with respect to China specifically, we're at an inflection point. We may be entering a mini bear market, if you will. So what that means for schools is you have to diversify. No longer is it that you can put all your eggs in one basket and expect all of your sort of international uh, students to come from one market uh, and paying one price point. You need to uh, be a little savvy as to how you get your foot into other markets and find that disposable income in those sort of uh, emerging markets, as we call them at Cambridge. Uh, and I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you right there. I know you've got a second point, but I do want to add to that before we move on from that sure. point. So it's about diversifying into, you know, Vietnam and Korea and offering potential scholarships or discounted prices to be able to, you know, recruit students from those markets. Is it fair to say, and this is something that at Cambridge we've been speaking about, in addition to that, because the Chinese market specifically is very saturated in terms of the number of students that are arriving or this the U.S. market is saturated to China and to Chinese students. It is also about differentiating yourself as a school. So understanding that, yes, there are less students coming. The number of schools in the U.S., and this is something we've said for years, hasn't really changed. So we go back to something like Cambridge Enhanced Marketing as an example of a way in which you can differentiate yourself, in which you can rise to the top of the other 2,000 5,000, 10,000 schools to make sure that the few students from China that are coming in are seeing you and that you're the one up there putting your name in front and that you don't get lost amongst the, the rest of the schools. Absolutely. So yeah, there are a few ways that you can go about it. If you're a school, 
you can one look to market yourself more aggressively uh, through you know uh, funded marketing campaigns, you know targeted marketing campaigns in whatever market that you're looking to grow in. If it's China, right? You you use a program like CEM Cambridge Enhanced Marketing, like you just note, uh, like you just uh, sort of mentioned. Or, or and or you look into being available in those expanded or uh, sort of those ancillary markets by making sure your price point is um, sort of appropriate to those markets. So that's the big thing. A lot of schools say, yeah, I'm totally interested in availing myself to Brazilian students and to German students and to uh, West African students and to Latin American students. But they forget the big piece of that is making sure you meet them where they can even think about affording you. So you have to look at the price point, the average sort of uh, purchasing power in that country. You have to find a way where your tuition makes sense for the majority of people in that market or else there's no hope, right? right, I'm just going to jump in here and say that to our listeners, I'm doing a lot of listening myself because I'm in no way an economics uh, master and I'm doing a lot of learning here on this episode, but I do think we've quote dumbed it down a lot for our listeners and it makes sense. Schools are going to have to pivot and meet students and customers where they're at. They're not going to be able to expect that even our China market is going to be able to pay maybe what they could in the past. Things are changing. COVID has affected that. And the economy is going to continue to change. And it sounds like China is going to be entering a bit of a rough patch. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even for, and that's a great point, even for the China market, if you're looking at schools, institutions to recruit from that market, you should think of doing it at a lower price point because the numbers are not going to be there at you know, the previous price points, you know, in 2015, 16, where, you know, people were paying uh, exorbitant sums, you know, if if we want to be honest, for an education, that's not going to happen anymore, or it doesn't look like it will. And with an economy that's not doing so great, parents have to reprioritize, and they're going to have to make changes and spend their money in different places than they normally would have, having the market in a better spot. So, Absolutely. yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I've always of- wanted to say it's a matter of economics. Always wanted to say that. And this seems like the appropriate place to say that. Dean, a final question, because I think we've done well just to sort of, uh, you know, encapsulate this idea for us. For students that are listening, does this change the game for them in any way, do you think? Or is it very much continue to just apply in the way in which you've applied? Does this mean more choices for students? Does this mean students have to be aware of something that maybe they're not seeing initially, you know, and if there's nothing, that's fine. We'll have them, we'll have them uh, move on from there. But I do want to be able to add some value to them if there is. This is a student's market. So it's, it's uh, no longer what it was for schools. Schools don't necessarily have the upper hand anymore. Um, it, there's not like, you know, a, a, a pool of money and, and disposable income just sitting, waiting for you know, them to apply to these tuitions. Now, schools are hunting students more so than students hunting schools. And that we've seen that change. And we've noticed that and we've mentioned that on this podcast. So given the state of the market and kind of, uh, I don't want to use an economic term, but basically the price, the purchasing power 
in in most of these markets getting stronger because you're going to experience a bit of deflation. I, I don't want to lose anybody, but if there's less money going about and things are kind of slowing down, you're ultimately going to go into deflation when you were kind of printing money and kind of providing, um, I don't want to say bailouts, but you, you were providing some some respite for people because of COVID. Now it's going to slow down. You're going to reverse and you're going to get a bit more deflationary and the purchasing power of every unit of fiat currency in these different markets is going to heighten. So naturally, you're going to have lower prices. And so students are going to have more of an opportunity to study abroad at better prices. That's basically it. So I encourage all students listening, you know, you know, ask for a scholarship, uh, try and get into the schools that you previously couldn't afford and say, hey, this is what I'm willing to pay because more and more schools that are willing and looking and 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 really keen on recruiting international students are going to do so at a lower price point. And I will say as well to students, you know, when you do have a lot of options, it's easy to get lost in the noise a little bit. Um, I, I would urge all families and all students to look for value. I know one of the things that we preach from our side and, and, and try and instill in our school partners, and I think we've been very successful because we have amazing school partners at Cambridge Network, but they they offer incredible value to their students, both in terms of, and I think a big word here is support, so the academic support that either the, 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 the school or the, the network around the school can offer, but also the social, emotional homestay support, whether that be in the dormitory or as a homestay option that, that students we see time in, time out, the best students that are academically incredibly gifted that you think are going to be incredibly successful require both that academic as well as that social, emotional, homestay or, or dormitory type of support. So look into, as a student, as a family, into the value because it's easy to get lost in the noise. Schools come at you with a lot. Make sure that they are offering, uh, you know, that they are offering that value. I want to be conscious of time as we always are on the Cambridge Network uh, or the Cambridge Insider podcast. Liana Gloss. I'm going to start with you because in a previous episode, I didn't give you final thoughts and there was a big, big, I mean, <laughs> social media went wild. You were devastated. It was a big thing around the world. Any final thoughts from your side? I have to say, I don't have a ton of final thoughts on this episode. Um, our executive producer used a lot of big words that I'm not going to lie. There were some things I didn't understand, but I think we did do a good job dumbing things down enough to understand how it relates to our schools and our students. So I encourage our students to reach out, or sorry, I encourage our schools to reach out for ways that you can kind of rebrand, remarket, and meet students and families where they need to be met if if these economic factors are going to affect what they can and can't afford anymore, what they can and can't prioritize. So just continue to communicate with us and we'll help you market yourselves the best you can. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is uh, executive producer Dean, even though he was on the uh, podcast episode, I'm going to have him post, um, you know, two two links for our, our listeners, um, specifically for students. I'm going to have him post a link where they can have a look at some of the schools that we have in the network, just specifically because we know that they add incredible value to a student's journey. So if you are looking for a safe way to find a great value-driven school, you'll find it in those bunch of schools that, that work with the Cambridge Network. So I'm going to have executive producer Dean put a link or a document up there for you and then specifically related to Cambridge Enhanced Marketing as well for schools that are looking to 
elevate themselves, differentiate themselves. We'll put something up about CEM, Cambridge Enhanced Marketing, for our school listeners as well. Dean, I am a little bit tentative to do this, but I will do it just because I'm a good guy. Any final thoughts from your side? I was just, I would just say in uh, supplement to what Liana said, to students, uh, definitely do your research. And if you're looking, as Stephen said, for a school, look for value. And there are tons of great schools that aren't necessarily uh, at the highest prices, but that offer so much to students. And you can find those by reaching out to your Cambridge representative and they'll definitely key you in as to, you know, what's available in different areas and, you know, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, they're experts in these different schools. We have a large network of schools, so uh, definitely do your research and ask around. Awesome. As always, uh, Dean, thank you. Thank you for your executive producer and for joining us on this episode. My co-host, Liana Glass, thank you for your wild contributions today. And then to all of our listeners, remember to like, subscribe, do all of those good things, share the podcast. This has been a fascinating episode that's delved into something a little bit different, but it all relates back to what we're doing in this industry. We believe in the industry. It's important for us to keep it going. And we do that by, uh, you know, these business practices and these insights that we provide uh, for our listeners. Until the next episode, we'll catch you around. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.